guys welcome back to me tv reviews i am your host mo and i'm coming to y'all on the late night tip okay we are back y'all yes for shelter season one episode three titled the dirt locker y'all we are at friday i hope everybody's weekend is going to go well we are going into labor day weekend so however you guys decide to celebrate Please, 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 please stay safe out there, y'all. It is crazy, crazy out there. And it's supposed to be warming up a little bit, too. So make sure y'all stay hydrated, all right? So let's get into the synopsis for this one. So Mickey learns more about the mysterious Bat Lady's past. Shira spends time with an old friend while Ema makes a new one. At Ellen and Alan Bolitar's 49th wedding anniversary party. Wow, that is a long time. The family struggles to come to grips with Brad's absence. This is going to be a really good episode, you guys. So buckle in. Alright? So, we start the episode off with Bat Lady when she is a younger kid. Okay, so this is the younger version of herself. And she is sitting on a train amongst several other kids, okay? It's got to be like at least 30 more kids on that train car. So the train car stops all of a sudden, um, you know, kind of jerks the kids left to right. They get off the car, y'all. And I was like, oh, shoot, is this the concentration camp? No. Instead, when they get off, they're kind of just like looking around there in the middle of the woods, seems like. And this blue, beautiful butterfly comes out of nowhere, y'all, okay? Kind of just starts flapping around, and then we see several other blue butterflies doing the same thing. So the kids start chasing after the butterflies, and then we see Lizzie. That's right, y'all, the one that Miss Freeman was talking about in her class, Lizzie. She's standing by a tree amongst all of the butterflies, and it seems like she is freeing bat lady and the other kids that are with her okay so bat lady has a story to tell y'all and it might be that she's not as bad as everybody is making her out to be she might actually be one of the good ones but we'll see so anyway after that we see bat lady bat lady now in her in her older form okay she's at the house and we see security dude doing his, uh, you know, top-notch secret security search on the computer. And he's looking for Ashley, okay? Have you found anything on Ashley? He says, no, not yet. Why did you tell Mickey that his dad was still alive? And instead of her answering that question, she goes back to Ashley saying, you know, that there must be something. We've got to find something on her. So he ends up finding a picture of her and Mickey. And um, she was like, well, that's a start. Okay, we got to start somewhere. Speaking of Mickey, Mickey is with his aunt, Shira, as they go to readmit his mom back to the facility. Okay, very sad, very emotional. Um, Of course, Dr. Shippey is telling them that at this point in time, because she's being readmitted, she's going to have to undergo some intense therapy and at this particular point in time you know no visitors are going to be allowed during this process so then she goes to sit back that back down next to mickey he was like you know she wasn't ready no she wasn't okay is this why you didn't want my dad to get married to my mom 
because of the depression, all she can say is it's complicated. Damn, we not putting this on a relationship status on Facebook, is we? <laughs> it's complicated? I'm going to need more of an explanation, ma'am. But she says that she's going to go get the car and she walks off. Okay. Rachel, on the other hand, is just now getting home and she's got a bag, y'all. Now, remember in the last episode, Octoface stopped her at the train station and was like, hey, that bag don't belong to you, my girl. So then we get a flashback of that same scenario and her... I guess being chased by Octoface, but it seems like she was able to get away with the bag. Um, but she ended up getting like um a deep gash or something on her arm. So maybe she got sliced a little bit. I'm not sure what happened, but it's blood like coming through her jean jacket. So it must have been deep enough to where, you know, it, it drew some blood. And she starts crying, y'all. I wonder what else happened. Um, because that happened, it seemed like in the middle of the night. And by the time she's coming home, it's daylight. So hopefully we'll get the rest of the story later. So Miss Freeman is in class and she's calling Roll for the day. And Buck notices that Rachel and Mickey are missing. So he shoots old Troy a text. Damn, got eyes everywhere, y'all. So... He shoot him a text and a well picture text and was like, hey, Mickey and Rachel missing? What's up with that? <laughs> so Troy just stormed out of his class, okay? Ema happens to be in the same class that Troy just stormed out of. And she's working on some type of um, like clay mold or something like that when Whitney comes over. And she's admiring what's going on with Ema. Y'all, is Whitney feeling Ema? Because I'm picking up on that, okay? But anyway, um, so just then she pulls out the, like, her um, portrait portfolio that Ema be working on, and she sees the butterfly. And so she's like, oh, you did this? Man, this is dark, but it's hot. Like, I love it. And so she's like, do you have a you do you? Because if you don't, then maybe you should create one so you could post your art there. Like, this is awesome. So, I mean, it's just the thought for Emma, but I really do feel like Whitney is hitting on her, y'all. What y'all think? So just then, Spoon comes over and asks her about her talking to Mickey. And she said no, okay? But he was supposed to be with his mom. And so he was like, well, I went over there to drop off a coconut cake, this, that, and the third. And he wasn't there because she was like, dang, so you went over there while he was with his mom? Like, why would you do that? Nobody was there. So she she starts, you know, thinking about some things, okay? That's weird, right? So he says that actually there was somebody there. Y'all, he pulled out that little figurine that he stole. <laughs> Spoon is so quirky, y'all. So quirky. So back over at Shira's house, her parents are there, y'all. And when I tell you they are so cute, they are so cute, okay? They still talking about getting it on. Listen, after 49 years of marital bliss, give me what they got. 
So, <laughs> so they're just kind of admiring their daughter before they wake her up. She's still snoring. Dad makes a dad joke about sleep apnea, right? <laughs> and they've come because they have brought stuff because they are actually going to be throwing their 49th wedding anniversary party at the house okay they figured that they would rather do it this way versus taking the cruise that they had planned to go to the bahamas because of everything that's going on with mickey and his mom they figured that family time is definitely the best way to go at this point so wedding anniversary party here it is okay so Shira, go ahead and get up, girl. I know you was sleeping real good to the point where you was calling them hawks, but uh, it's time to help us get this house ready for a party. So Mrs. Friedman is heading this assembly. Y'all, <laughs> I didn't know camels could uh, make the noise that she made, but I guess that is their, uh, you know, mascot call, if you will. <laughs> so anyway... Before she gets the assembly started, she wants to give a little bit of bad news of, regarding Mr. V and how he suddenly had to up and leave from school, but they wish him well in all of his future endeavors. But she says it like really nervously, like she knows that there's more to this story. We'll put that on pause for now. So just then Spoon is looking over and he notices that there are a whole bunch of people here with like cameras and stuff. So it turns out that once a year, um, you know, a celebrity sponsors like a musical within like the local school system and their school just happens to be the one that is selected this year. And so the celebrity that is sponsoring the musical is this lady named Angelica Wyatt and Apparently, she's very hip on the scene because when she comes out, all of the kids start to cheer and applaud her like they know what she's starting. <laughs> I would have been like, who's that lady? <laughs> oh, goodness, y'all. So anyway, Spoon is super elated about this lady. She is going to be sponsoring the musical phantom of the opera and so he says he goes into this long spill to Ema about how he's going to win the role of phantom how him and angelica are going to start you know getting close and uh, developing this bond and going on walks and developing like an open relationship and an open marriage whoa okay she could definitely be your mom's age at this point so anyway just as spoon is going off into this diatribe of sorts Emma's looking over at um, Whitney. Again, Whitney is giving me the vibes that she likes Emma. Okay? They keep making all of this eye contact. What y'all think about that? So, anyway, as Angelica's doing her spill about the Phantom of the Opera and how whoever gets the role, they have to embody the character because um, it's such an important role. <sighs> some kind of way buck's name starts to get chanted is he a thespian hmm i don't know but anyway spoon says that he's gonna crush buck's spirits and then we see mickey come in okay so after the assembly mickey 
fills them in on what's happening with his mom and he's very upset about it. They both apologize to him and then Ema suggests the spoon show Mickey what he uh what he's doing about Ashley's disappearance, okay? So he takes them down to his secret lair which is actually an old boiler room okay and so it's pretty cool though like he set it up and it's like i said like his little secret layer he's got computers laying around um a little couch like it's really cool down there but he does have some old pipes and so when teachers are in the teacher's lounge you can hear their whole conversation okay and so he was like man they really do hate us (laughs) y'all I mean, they probably see you more than they see their own family. So I would probably say so too. (laughs) Every day is not going to be rainbows and sunshine. Just saying. So Spoon ends up showing Mickey his disappearance board. That's what we'll call it. His disappearance board of Ashley. And he starts to make the connection of Dylan Shakes and Ashley, how they went missing on the same day, which was September the 8th. But it was 27 years later that Ashley went missing. And so they're thinking that maybe Dylan Shake's dad had a hand in Ashley's disappearance because although he was a suspect in Dylan's disappearance, they never could find enough evidence to actually arrest him. So he just up and left town, okay? And so then, um, I forgot they were in the hallway no, mm-mm. I, I'm on the right track, y'all. Sorry. So, um, they're in the hallway and they're still having a conversation about Ashley's disappearance when, well, prior to them, I'm sorry, y'all, let me backtrack real quick. So they're still down in the lair. They're trying to figure out how they can get anything regarding Ashley's disappearance when they don't even have any uh like contact information on her they don't know anything about her and to anybody else Ashley doesn't even exist at this point and so Emma's like y'all we need to go look in the most obvious place that we didn't even think to look her locker so they go to her locker and of course it's cleared out at this point I'm pretty sure the suit guy probably done came and took some stuff because bad lady probably told him to um so either way her locker is cleared out but then emma looks up and is like yo these cameras are following us 24 7 while we're here so they get spoon to hack into the surveillance footage because i mean he's a genius what else would he do right so they get him to hack into the surveillance footage he volunteers to take the first like um you know loop of watching their surveillance to see if they can pick up Ashley and what might have happened to her the day that she disappeared but actually Mickey steps in and was like you know what I'll take the first shot so hopefully they find some important footage um to help give them a lead to where Ashley may be at this point so Mickey starts to look at the surveillance footage and he has a flashback to a time where him and Ashley were once in class and it was Spanish, y'all. Y'all know Mickey is real good at Spanish, but Ashley, Ashley is another story. Ashley is a hot mess, and she's very nervous about 
this project that they had to work on together. So apparently they had to do like an impassioned uh, conversation project for Spanish. And so, you know, she was just like, well, when I try to speak Spanish, everything just gets jumbled up in my head. He's trying to tell her to calm down. And he's like, Spanish is like poetry, okay? It gets absorbed in your bones. Did you really just say that? I mean, it is second nature to you, so it's a lot easier for you to say that, Mickey, than her. But anyway, so they get up there, and they stumble through it, but hey, (laughs) they made it through, okay? They get some hand claps at the end, and it's a success. So then Mickey is still watching the surveillance footage after he comes back from his daydream, Emma comes downstairs and was like, hey, so it's time for us to swap out. What time is it? It's five o'clock. Oh, shit. He's late. So he hurries up to get back to his house because him and Rachel are supposed to be working on a project together. And when he gets there, he runs into his grandparents. Okay. And they are loving on him. And grandmama makes the comment that. You don't need to keep a pretty girl like Rachel waiting. (laughs) So, of course, you know, they make small talk about the project that they're working on together. And she brings up the fact that they're going to be covering Lizzie Sobek. And so, Granddad pops. The name sounds very familiar to him. He gives them a history lesson on Lizzie. And he says that their people are very grateful for all of the contributions that she made to try to free them okay so she's a very inspirational figure in their community and so Rachel was like well hopefully we'll do do her proud okay I'm sure you will but in the meantime she's a pretty girl you're a teenage boy y'all keep that door open (laughs) she was like pops okay dad let it go Okay, it's not happening. But Rachel reassures him that everything's going to be okay. He has nothing to worry about. So Emma is now watching their surveillance footage. And she peeps after she walks past Whitney that Whitney is looking at her. Okay, she's checking her out. And she does the kind of lip biting thing. Y'all know what it is. Ema has to rewind and watch it again just to make sure that her eyes weren't playing tricks on her. No, they were not, my girl. Okay, Whitney is definitely into you. So what are you going to do now? So as she's like relishing in this moment, she spots Ashley. Ashley looks very upset. We see her walk to like this little corner past the lockers and she's visibly crying. And I'm assuming that this is like right after she saw Octoface. So what's going to happen after this? Meanwhile, back at Shira's house, uh, excuse me, that's her parents' house, y'all. But back at their compound, the Balatar compound, the party is still underway. Um, However, Hannah... And the family have shown up, y'all. 
courtesy of Shira's mom inviting them, Ellen. Okay, so Ellen, um, Ellen decided no. Mm-mm. Dad, Pop saw Hannah in the store, spoke to her, mentioned the party. Dad mentioned that he had saw Hannah and them at the store. End up telling uh, Ellen, which is his wife, that Ellen called them and invited them to the party. Now, I don't know if grandma is being a little messy boots because we know. And if we know about Hannah's NIM history between Shira, their little threesome, Hannah, Shira, and Ken, we know Grandmama is all up on the, the history of what's happening. This town ain't but that big, okay? So they come in, and it's really awkward. And just as they're coming in, Rachel is coming from the basement with Mickey because they've been doing their history project. So everybody's really awkward. Shira's like, oh, hey. (laughs) So then Rachel mentions that she's got a lot of homework to do, but it was really nice meeting them. And she ends up walking out. Troy follows suit, right? So he goes behind her and he's like, hey, you know, what's been going on? You've been avoiding my calls. You didn't show up to school today. Like, what's happening here? And so she says that she's just been super stressed out. She's got a lot on her plate. And he was like, oh, you got a lot on your plate, but you're not too stressed to not come over here. And she was like, fool, we doing a a history project together. Get, Get serious. So he was like, you know, I got this magic stick that'll release all of that stress. Just being a total teenage boy, right? Always... Always resulting to sex to try to fix the situation. So she was like, of course, I don't even know why I even attempted to talk to you. So she starts to walk away, but he grabs her arm and it's the same arm that had the gash in it. But she has a moment of PTSD and a flashback from the night before and she's running. She ends up falling and we see that her arm, I guess she falls like on a a broken, like a broken beer bottle or maybe when she fell the bill bottle broke and like cut her arm I'm not quite sure what the sequence is with that part but either way her arm got a cut in it so she's having a PTSD moment and she ends up slapping the dog piss out of him y'all <laughs> he was like whoa like what? what is that so she tries to apologize but he just runs back in like a little bitch but anyway <laughs> so I don't condone I, I don't condone violence, y'all. I just want to let y'all know that. <laughs> but he did run back in like a little bitch. <laughs> so she gets in the car and then we see the full scene of what happened the previous night. Like I said, Octoface was chasing her after she had grabbed the bag from the train station and she ended up slipping, falling, cutting her arm on the beer bottle or the glass, whichever one. So Rachel is in deep, y'all. I'm just wondering what the connection is with her. Um, Maybe she's related to Bad Lady or Lizzie. Maybe. I don't know, y'all. So Troy, everybody's kind of sitting outside. It's Hannah, Troy, Ken, Shira, and Grandmama, Dad, uh, well, Pops, and Mickey. 
So Pops is telling this story about how Brad had took the bus home, like the city bus, I'm assuming, and he got off, he was supposed to get off at the exit, but he didn't. And so he ended up riding around lost for two hours. They were trying to find him. And by the time they had ended up finding him, they had the other passengers had gave him some food. And, you know, that was just the type of person he is. He had became best friends with the bus driver. Pop starts to get emotional and he ends up walking off. So just as Mickey is finna get up to go try to, you know, check on Pops and make sure he's straight, Grandmama's like, no, it's okay, let him have his moment, which I completely understand. So they're sitting down and Troy has the audacity to try to bring up the past relationship between Ken and Shira right there in front of his mom, in front of Mickey. It's just and he knew what he was doing he knew what he was doing but she was like no it's cool as a matter of fact yes we were a thing but what happened was shira left town and so she said you know once she left town all bets were off meaning ken was open to do whatever he wanted to do she left she ended up going to to seattle to become a lawyer and grandmama was like you know her leaving was probably for the best because I mean look at Hannah and Ken they have this beautiful family you know just loving marriage like I said grandmama is being hella shady and I'm side eyeing her y'all because you're saying all this in front of Shira and regardless of what might have happened or how you may feel about your daughter you don't say that in front of her about the next girl hooking up with her ex-man and they were best friends no that's not okay you're supposed to side with Shira not Hannah so anyway she goes on to say that that that's what was best for Hannah and Ken but and then she was like, okay, well, what you trying to say about me? She was like, well, you know, you went to Seattle and you became this top-notch lawyer and you had this uh, blossoming law career. Like, you did a wonderful job. But all Shira seems to hear from that is the fact that Shira didn't become a mom and that she had a failed marriage. So it makes me question their relationship that they have is it strained because maybe grandmama is a little critical of shira's decisions or i i'm not sure but either way i don't like it it's it's strained for sure at this point so she says well <laughs> you can't get mad at me because your uterus has a life expect uh, uh expiration date on it i was like whoa grandma not in front of these other people this is for like family conversation after everybody has left no but she was like you know what it's cool whatever i guess so grandmama said all of that to say that because shira is not she's not a parent because shira said that she never wanted to have kids that was always her choice she says, well, now you don't have the proper skills to be a good parent or a good stand-in for Mickey at this point. 
Okay, well, if you feel like that, grandmama, then why don't you take her? That's it. That's all. Shira had had enough, honey. She got up and walked away. Like, I'm side-eyeing the hell out of grandmama. I don't like <laughs> I don't like how she came at Shira, regardless of what Shira has done up to this point. You don't do that. And you definitely don't do that in front of company. Like, she wrong for that. So Shira is up on the roof enjoying a bottle of wine and look who comes to join her it's dear old hannah bestie hannah so she comes and has a seat and it's just like old times they used to come up here on the rooftop all the time and probably drink drink a little something it might not have been wine back in the day it might have been a honey proof but um here we are just like old times so she comes up there and she's like wow your mom is in rare form today damn so e hannah even noticed what was going on <laughs> that's a lot and so she was like you know after all of these years you would think that i wouldn't let her get under my skin like she does but hannah's like you know what genetically i think as kids we we just are made to do that okay we're just programmed to allow our parents to say stuff that irritates the hell out of us right every now and then i love you mama and daddy so just then hannah ends up saying you know she mentions troy and how you know troy uh <laughs> feels like her voice is like nails on a chalkboard but she ends up calling a truce she says that maybe they should start fresh and and shira agrees and she was like you know that would be great i mean after all you did steal my dude and she was like well do you want him back no ma'am not at all you can have him it's <laughs> no good ass <laughs> so they are starting anew good for them so, uh, Ema and Spoon, they are still back at the boiler room and they're going over surveillance. So, Ema says that, you know, she was able to follow Ashley to the point where she saw her crying close to the lockers. Um, and so she tried to backtrack what led her to that point. But by the time she gets to the door, she loses her. And so they end up realizing that there are two cameras outside, um, you know, the door. So they're going to each take one apiece and see what happens. Fingers crossed. So then Mickey is back at the house and he comes downstairs to the basement and he overhears his grandparents arguing or having a discussion, a heated discussion. And Ellen, who is grandmama, grandmama is saying how... She, she doesn't want to talk about it right now. Pops is asking her to just share her emotions with him. Okay. She never wants to talk about anything, especially when it comes to Brad and what happened to him. But she says, you know, it takes every ounce of strength in me to get up, to just get up. Like, I don't have the strength right now to talk about what happened to my son. It's too sad. It's too depressing. Like, I miss him when I come back to this place. I'm just constantly reminded of him everywhere I look. She doesn't like being there. And like I said, Pops is just wanting her to talk about it. That's the only way that they can move forward. 
but she's not in that place just yet so just then mickey is having this flashback of him and his dad they must have went camping and mickey comes out of the tent and he realizes that brad is washing blood off of his hands and so he's like okay why are you washing blood off of your hands brad comes over and gives him a hug and he says look we gotta go okay we don't even have time to pack up we gotta go like right now if we want to stay safe and so he subliminally lets the audience know that maybe he's doing the same work that Lizzie was doing all of those years ago by keeping other people safe or bringing them to a safe place from a dangerous position that they may have been in and bringing them to a place where they are, you know, like I said, safe. So he says that he does this all while trying to keep an eye out for dangerous people in this world okay and when he can't protect those people that need help anymore well he's got to make sure that his family is protected by all means so like i said he gives him a big old hug and he says look we gotta go right now mickey is terrified y'all because he doesn't know what to make of what his dad just told him but like i said it seems like maybe brad and i'm not sure if mom was in on this i don't think kitty was in on this but brad is definitely doing something to help those that need it so i don't know y'all what y'all think about that so just then mickey comes downstairs um and he has a conversation with his grandparents and she says that you know she just misses her son Pops, he tries to lighten the mood a little bit by saying how it's cold as hell down here during the winter. It's hot as hell during the summer. Um, But the boys, Myron and Brad, they loved it down there. They never argued. They never fussed. They never fight. They seem to get along just fine. And Shira, uh, well, you know, she she was Shira. But when they were on the court, when they were playing basketball, you would have never thought, okay, there there was no other place that they would rather be with each other than on the court, in the driveway, practicing, playing. Um, that's That's where they found their happy place. And so... Pops ends up saying something about how he he quotes what a quote from his grandfather. And I'm not going to jack it up, y'all. But basically, it was one of those things where he was just like, um, when a father gives to a son, they share a laugh. But when the son gives to um, the father, they cry. And he was like, "Uh, it sounded a lot better in Yiddish. (laughs) I like that, Pops. Y'all can give me him, too. So Spoon and Emer are still looking at surveillance footage from the two cameras when Spoon spots something. He ends up seeing Ashley outside when they were supposed to be practicing. And it seems like it's a mosh pit of angry girls because they're ganging up on Ashley. Ashley ends up like shoving one of them out the way and running out of camera's view. It's a blind spot, y'all. So we don't know what happens to her after that. So then we go back over to Mickey and Shira. Shira is cleaning up, or no, she's playing basketball, and Mickey is, you know, putting the finishing touches on cleaning up the house after the party. 
And they start having a conversation about how she had heard that things had got intense between her parents earlier. And so she asked him, does he want to talk about it? He was like, no. So then she finally opens up and admits that no, she didn't want um, her brother getting with Kitty. And she goes on to explain that she just found it crazy that out of nowhere, Kitty, who was this professional tennis prodigy, she just came along and her and Brad fell in love. She swept him off his feet. And once they got together, things were intense. Okay. Brad started changing all of his life plans and she just didn't see that for her little brother. Okay, he had all of these big dreams and then he kind of pushed them aside for her in the name of love. And so Mickey kind of understands how she feels about it because he must have seen some things go on between his parents where he can agree that, yeah, things were a little intense between the two of them. So then they start playing a game of horse. And after a few shots, um, she ends up asking him, surely you're going to try for the basketball team. And his and Pops also asked him, would he try for the team too? But he said no, because he just didn't want to do it anymore. Like he had mentioned to Kitty earlier, well, in the previous episode, he felt like it was his fault. So I don't think that he wants to play, but honestly, his family feels like it would be an honor for him to continue to play because that's what his dad would have wanted. So she said... She, Shira shares the same sentiment saying that three times that's a lot she shares the same sentiment <laughs> and she offers him an invitation to go to this uh what she call it breakfast uh basketball orientation thing where they just offer breakfast so it's a lot of carbs low commitment I mean what do you have to lose at this point so he was like all right I'll go to that but I ain't promising nothing so she was like okay so just then he gets a text from Spoon and Ema to come back to the boiler room so he does so when he gets there they're looking at surveillance footage from the day after Ashley disappeared and to be more specific is three o'clock in the morning so they're looking at this surveillance footage and we see that somebody has broken into the school. They're going straight to Ashley's locker and we thought that something was going to be in there. Maybe it's that bag, right, that Rachel found, but it turns out the locker is empty aside from the hippo. And we know that the hippo is back at Bat Lady's house. So he ends up taking the hippo and Mickey is like, is that Octoface? No, it is Secret Spy Dude which I told y'all they had probably came in there to try to clear her locker out. Um, but it was already empty, so I wonder what they were looking for. Okay, y'all know how this goes. There was no good stopping point. So if some of this is out of order, my apologies, y'all. It was a lot these last, like, 15 minutes. So Shira is cleaning up her house still when Hannah comes back. And she's like, man, your mom knows really how to throw one hell of a rager. Too bad she don't know how to clean up after the rager. So she was like, what you come back for? Did you forget something? Y'all tell me why Hannah walked over to her and kissed her. It takes Shira a second. And then she kissed her back. 
And Hammond says, welcome home. I forgot to tell you that earlier, boo. Y'all. I'm going to let that, I'm going to let that lay where it is right there. On to the next thing. Because it, I was not ready for that, y'all. I was not ready. So, Mickey ended up going to Bat Lady's house after he saw a secret security dude on the school surveillance footage. So, he goes there and he's going to the door when he sees security dude's car roll past and run into like this, well, go park in this, the garage. So, he hurry up and put on his Mission Impossible Tom Cruise Okay, he put on his vest and he slides up under the garage door before it closed. So, Mickey definitely needs some work because y'all, when I tell y'all he is, <laughs> he is being very loud to me anyway. Um, and he's not covering his tracks. Like if you open up a door, once you go through said door, close said door. He leaving doors open. He just walking out in the open. So he ends up like going down into like this, uh, this garage shelter door, right? It leads to like this underground passage and it's like tunnels all through the underground, right? Ain't no telling how far this thing span, right? So he's walking through there. He finally ends up seeing another ladder. He climbs up said ladder and he goes, it leads him through like this little secret passageway. And then it comes to a closet. He comes through the closet door and he steps out. When he steps out, he's in Bat Lady's like living room area on the first floor. And he runs into Secret Security Dude. And Secret Security Dude was like, it took you long enough. What is going to happen, y'all? So... Back at the boiler room, Emil is telling Spoon how maybe they should have went ahead and went with Mickey despite him telling them that they needed to stay back. And so Spoon was like, no, he blatantly told us to just stay right here. And she was like, well, you two are stupid and you clearly have, <laughs> you lack a sense of danger. So we should have went. So they end up staying right where they are, right? So then, um, I feel like they saw something else on the security footage. So we'll just go ahead and, and skip ahead a little bit. So when they're looking at the security footage, they go back to prior to security dude, the secret security dude being the one to open up her locker. They go back to the person that initially cleared the locker out in the first place, right? So they go back there and when they see who it is, it looks like it's a it's a it's a girl of some sort. And so I was like, Y'all please don't let this be Emma. Cause this this show has thrown me for a loop. Like I don't know what's happening. I don't know if people be losing track of time, memory, and all of that. But I was like, please don't let this be Emma. Y'all, it's Rachel. Rachel was the one that came and cleared out her locker. So then we go back to Mickey. Mickey is confronting top security dude. And he's telling him maybe you need some work. Because I just got through looking at some footage. And it showed that you was trying to clear out Ashley's locker. 
So what's happening here? What's the connection? Okay. And what does this have to do with Bat Lady, my dad, and Ashley's disappearance? And so he says something that kind of like forced Bat Lady to come out of where she was hiding at. And she goes on to tell the story. Well, after she mentioned something about Ashley's disappearance, she was like, well, is that all you came here for? Because I didn't kill Ashley. I didn't have anything to do with Ashley's disappearance. But I get the feeling that that's not all you're here for. And so he ends up asking about his dad and how she had mentioned that he was alive. He asks, is he still alive? And so she goes into this whole metaphor about being in darkness. Can you see in darkness? And she says how when we suffer traumatic events, our brain either blocks out the event completely or it tries to soften the blow as we retell the story every time to try to make it make it more culpable for uh, more culpable for us um to deal with as we process what happened during that traumatic event so she goes on to mention how um the kids that were on that train it was 49 kids and she says that when people retell this story of Lizzie, and she mentioned Mrs. Freeman, she asks, "Did any has Mickey ever heard about the magical butterflies?" And so he was like, "Magical butterflies? What are you talking about?" Of course, we know that because we saw it at the beginning of the episode, right? But according to what Bat Lady is saying. That is not how it worked out. So the butterflies were actually carved into the trees, y'all. And so it was sort of kind of like, honestly, y'all, it's sort of kind of like slavery, right? So they had like all of these different clues to tell them where to go and then different people looking out for them. Well, in this instance, they had the butterflies carved into the trees to kind of lead them to where Lizzie was. And so she said that out of the 49 kids, only six of them made it to Lizzie. Okay. And it showed different instances of like when the kids were would see the butterflies carved into the trees. And so they would go that way thinking that was the right way, but then they would run into um, the Nazis that were trying to kill them. And they did. They did. And so everybody didn't make it. And so as we see one of the little girls get shot up, y'all, oh, it was awful. We didn't see her actually get shot, but we heard it. And apparently the other kids saw it. They got upset about it. And we see Lizzie covering one of the other girl's eyes. Well, when she does that, we see this number on her arm. Okay. And so then it fast forwards to Bat Lady and she's got the same number on her arm, y'all. She is Lizzie. He makes the connection and she says, I chose that specific train because her father's murderer was on that train. 
And she said that her and Mickey have similarities how they both saw their fathers die in front of them. And so when she pulls out the picture of the guy who killed her father, it matches the guy who was supposed to be the EMT that took Brad away after the accident. Mickey is like, there's no way that that guy killed your dad because he was the one that took my dad away. So then we get a flashback of when Mickey and Brad were having that interaction after Brad had cleaned that blood off of his hands. And as he's giving Mickey the speech, we see Ashley, okay? Prior to that, y'all, let me back up real quick. Ashley is safe, y'all. Wherever she is, she is safe. She still has her phone, and she's looking at this picture of her and Mickey together. So now we can get to that part. So when Brad is talking to Mickey about how him and Kitty do things to protect other people that can't protect themselves, you know, and how they have to protect their family um, once those things fall apart. We see Ashley coming through the woods and we see the butterflies. So she is following this trail of butterflies and I'm assuming that she was going to go meet with Brad. But just as she is finna get ready to step out, y'all, somebody cover her mouth and they snatch her ass up. And that's the way the episode is, y'all. I believe so. I'm going to go back and double check and make sure I didn't miss anything. But that's how the episode is, y'all. I am definitely intrigued. So it seems like Bat Lady is definitely one of the good ones. I'm just trying to figure out where in the world is Ashley? Who is the bad guy at this point? Okay. Is the bad guy still the EMT guy? And where the hell is Ashley? questions y'all but that's all i have for now please let me know what you think you can reach me at me and you tv reviews on facebook and on instagram you can also reach me at my tv reviews podcast without the s on the end y'all it is getting good okay y'all please let me know what you think um that's all i have for now so like i said i know we're going into labor day weekend so whatever you guys do, please be safe out there in the streets. I love y'all. And until we meet over the airwaves again, I am Mo and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Okay, y'all. I knew I forgot something. So remember how I told y'all Ashley is not dead. But wherever she is, when she was looking at her phone with that picture of her and Mickey, they did a shot of her from the back and we see that same blue butterfly that Ema had on her is on Ashley as well. So I wonder what Ema's story is too, but Ashley has that same exact tattoo, y'all. Okay, that's it. I love y'all. Be safe. Bye.